Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 191 of the All Dolphins podcast. The ever-popular, never-fails, all-behind-enemy, let's see, I failed, I can't even say it right, behind-enemy <laughs> lines, with a return engagement from our good friends Josh, Joshua Briscoe in very cold Kansas City. You look like you're dressed for the part, though, Joshua. Yeah, I had to today because I uh, I knew that I was going to need to clean some snow off my car before I left. And then I cleaned some snow off my car after I got there. And then I cleaned some snow off my car uh, when I got to the gas station. And then I cleaned some snow off my car when I got home. So uh, I'm about over it. And I'm a little bit envious of the uh, of the Miami vibes right now. I, I've always wondered, can like a, a leaf blower get the snow off or, you know, what do you have to do? This is a great question, and I'm glad you mentioned the leaf blower because it lets me brag about the thing in my life I'm most proud about from the last couple of months, which was using the leaf blower to clean out my gutters a couple of uh, a couple of weeks back. That felt powerful. Uh, I think the leaf blower would probably take care of some of the powder, but we've got like built for snowball fight snow out here right now. I I don't. After this, I think I'm going to have to go do some shoveling, and uh, I don't know. I might I might see if there are any uh, just kids on the street looking for a little snowball fight because uh, my arm is warm. The only part of me, but my arm is. Are you going to be like Bill Murray in uh, Groundhog Day when he's throwing? There you go. Uh, And you forgot to mention, how about scraping the windshield? Yeah, so that's the worst that I think exists anywhere in winter weather. But today, it because it was just heavy, wet snow, I mostly was just shoving snow today, scraping the windshield every time I think. Like, there's there's got to be a better way to do this, and I don't think we found one yet. So that stinks. So, so hold on, question. I, and I know this is getting into, like, some deep level of snow life, but could you, like, pour a hot kettle of water on the windshield and, and you get off the all, all the all the ice? I'm pretty sure that cracks the glass. I think that that is, I think that there is a a concern there with that. They've got some like de-icing spray that I've experimented with. Sometimes it helps, but there's just not a lot you can do about a whole pounds and pounds of snow, usually on top of a layer of ice, usually coinciding with some single digit temperatures. There's just... You can prepare. You can maybe this is getting into game pregame talk. I don't know. There's a lot of mental preparation you can do, but eventually you got to go shovel, and that part I don't think you ever really get used to. I, I can help you with types of flip flops and undershirt <laughs> that you could wear when you come to South Florida. That's about the best that I can do. That's I look. I love. I love to let the guns breathe a little bit when we have the opportunity. It's just that's what this top drawer over here is for, and this drawer will stay closed for. Let me check. Three, four more months at least. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I have experience with bitter cold weather, but it's been a long time, and that's kind of why I moved to Miami in the first place, and <laughs> kind of why I'm not going back. Um, it's going to be they're not supposed to like have a major blizzard on Saturday night when the Dolphins play the Chiefs, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Kansas City time, but the temperature, holy smokes! I think I saw minus five wind chill, minus ten that neighborhood. Yeah, um, it. it- it's gonna be it's gonna be single to zero digits. Yes, absolutely. Lovely. How do you think that affects the Chiefs, if at all? 
it, it's interesting because even just like right out of the gate, it's one of the first questions all the players have been getting and everything. And so what do you do? And, and most of the guys here, like Willie Gay, for example, uh, Mississippi guy, but he uh, he was asked about it and he was like, guys, I've, I've been here for four years. Like, give me some credit. I, I kind of know. And I do think there's a little bit of something to that where just being here and, and having played games in similar circumstances and then even just practicing throughout the week in cold and knowing that's your day to day, I think helps a little bit because it's not. I mean, again, you guys certainly know you get off the plane from Florida and you step either out of the airport or off the plane or whatever in a, a colder climate. That that first breath is uncomfortable. It is it is like, oh, oh man, this is my next like three days as I'm just breathing cold air. Um, and and I, so I don't think the Chiefs are going to have any extra lag from that in terms of the function of the game. It I mean, other than the ground being a little harder, the ball being a little harder, the hits maybe stinging a little more. Like you said, it's not expected to be super uh, snowy or, or or super windy. No blizzard conditions. It's just going to be cold as hell. So you don't think that there's going to be snow on the ground? I mean, this is an early, early, early projection. It is a Saturday game, but you don't think that the, the track is going to be impacted by the snow? I think that's right. Yeah, the, the grounds crew here it also really does an exceptional job of keeping there being live grass on the field uh, all really year round for the most part. And yeah, I, as right now, I think there's a chance it snows on Friday. I'm not a meteorologist, but I like playing one. I wish I had a green screen for you. There's there's a chance for snow on Friday right now. But even then, they're going to spend all day making sure that the field and the playing surface itself is ready to go and and pretty much snowless, I'd imagine. Yeah, and, and I, my thinking here is off the top of my head, having a timing-based passing game built on speed, maybe not necessarily ideal weather conditions that we're talking about here Saturday night. What are you talking about? Tyreek Hill has played his entire career on that field in those conditions in a timing-based offense. Chiefs run a timing-based offense too. Oh, but do they? But do they, Joshua? They do. You know, guys, you both make great points uh, because I like to bring us together when I can. It is a legit good point to be like, well, yeah, so Tyree Killed knows he's played in these games. He's won big games in the stadium in freezing cold temperatures. He will not be shaken by it. But I, I do think there's a little bit of something to the the I would say exceptionally timing-based, rhythm-based Miami Dolphins offense, as opposed to where, look, I mean, eventually a play breaks down and bleep it, Tyreek's down down there somewhere. You're familiar with the parlance now. Patrick Mahomes and that cannon works in all weathers. Tyreek Hill being fast works in all weather. So I do wonder if there is something. Are you trying to say Tua doesn't work in all weathers? Is that what it sounded like? That was what you were like hinting Are you at. Next, you're gonna say Patrick Mahomes is better than Tua. Is that what you're gonna say, Joshua? I listen. I don't want to say anything insane around here, but uh, I did. I did watch Sunday Night Football, and I, I did. I did see maybe a less than pristine Tua situation. I like Tua. I don't. I haven't gotten the Tua non treatment. I don't think. I don't think I've. I've said any of the naughty words that gets you put on the Tua Tonga Vailoa blacklist. I think he seems like a good dude and a good quarterback. Uh, but I will take Patrick Mahomes uh, if if you've got me swearing on a stack of bibles okay um <laughs> where when you are playing these games in these elements do you think that the chiefs will lean heavily on the run game i think they're gonna try it 
I think, and Andy Reid is also the exact type of guy to run the ball for the first quarter, have it all work, and then just totally forget it ever happened. And then it's like, all right, we're doing some of the other Andy Reid stuff again. Um, and obviously that's worked pretty well by and large. But there, there's a chance of, of him kind of forgetting the running game is there. But I think you've got to give it a shot, right? Because all of a sudden, specifically with Isaiah Pacheco, and, and the offensive line's banged up, but I think they're going to have a, a competent starting five. Um you have Isaiah Pacheco, who, you know, runs like he's mad at the ground, like he's got to pay rent, like the Tasmanian devil. You can pick your favorite uh, way that Isaiah Pacheco runs. But again, I, I wouldn't want to get hit by him in any temperature. And I think if you're going to give him a chance, he's the guy I'm betting on to just uh -huh. be an absolute, just a, just an absolute nut about it and to enjoy everything that comes with a freezing cold game where he can be the one delivering hits. I think they try that. They let their trenches have a chance to, to assert their dominance a little bit early on. I would love, and I'm, I'm usually not this guy, but I would love to see the Chiefs run the ball consistently and aggressively, at least in the first quarter, to kind of see, test those waters a little bit. Why do you think Pacheco didn't finish the season as a thousand yard runner? He ended up getting banged up. He had surgery on his shoulder that had already affected him uh, during training camp and all. And this offense just kind of had its issues. Uh, I mean, that's something that has been well documented on a variety of levels. I, I don't think they ever found their their sort of final form. So I think for Pacheco, it's a little mix of his usage and trying to have him healthy for the playoff run. Uh, but also this this running back room thinned out over the course of the year, too. They lost Jarek McCannon. He won't be out there on Saturday. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has played pretty well in his limited action, but but he's clearly kind of the change of pace guy. And, and McKinnon was the number two. So Clyde being the three kind of hopping up a level is just another thing this team's had to deal with. But I think that's basically what it what it boils down to is him being banged up and the offense just not not staying on the field even as consistently as you'd like to see him be out there most of the time. I'm absolutely not going to go with the it's because he's dating Taylor Swift route. Uh, what would be the biggest explanation why Travis Kelsey's production was not ridiculous like it usually is? Yeah, 16 yards short of a thousand, and it genuinely does feel like kind of a disappointment. Um, I, I think the two biggest things is that the last practice before the season kicked off for the Chiefs, it was their Friday, but it was Thursday night football. So, mm -hmm. uh, kicking the season off, he hyperextends his knee, which sounds very similar to the injury Sam Laporta uh, suffered. We didn't see Kelsey's because it was at the very end of practice. Uh, but that point on, it, it put the beginning of his season in jeopardy. He misses week one. He gets re-injured again a little bit in week two or three with a, with his foot getting caught in the turf in Minnesota. And then the, the thing that maybe frustrates me the most is that Travis Kelsey was the only thing defenses had to plan around for a really long time. And even after Rasheed Rice kind of had his coming out party and, and as he became a, a real legitimate part of this offense, even then, it was Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. And so I, I think at this point, you have a dude who I don't want to say is even at the tail end of his career. I think he's towards the end, but I'm, I'm not willing to say he's done done by any means yet. He has a very, very good season being the absolute focal point of an offense that couldn't get anything else going. That combined with just sort of the wear and tear is, is the two things I would lean towards. This episode of Behind Enemy Lines is brought to you by You Break Wheel Fix. It's your complete wheel repair and refinishing solutions located in North Miami. Over 25 years of experience repairing damaged or cracked wheels. Uh, customize your wheels with colors, designs, uh, the brakes, jobs. If you're interested in getting some custom work done on your ride, call Mark at 305-748-0112. And if you mention the All Dolphins podcast, you get a 10% discount. Um, let, let's let's get into Joshua, uh, this defense. Uh, 
they they got Chris Jones his incentive, which is very important when you're when you're talking to NFL players. You take care of the people who 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 basically lead your you lead your franchise, and he does on that defensive side of the ball. Are they still a top five unit in the NFL? And do you think that this defense can carry this struggling offense to another Super Bowl? I I think yes and yes with with some confidence, but not top three and not bet my life savings. Um, this this is a really 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 good defense, and I do think that there are some circumstances where you could say, well, you know, figuring out kind of the situations they've been put in, they they deserve credit for the Chiefs even winning the AFC West this year. I mean, it, it really. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. It's been a lesser season for him, but it's very easy to see where that's actually coming from. This defense deserves absolutely all of that credit, and they can. The defense can be the thing that leads the Chiefs to a Super Bowl. They can't do it alone, and no one can. Right? The, the Browns' defense can't do it alone. Joe Flacco coming around, finding the fountain of youth, and just slinging that thing. That makes me think, oh, well, maybe that combination is there. So I, I think just to kind of clump the, the defense together as one unit, the defense plus Patrick Mahomes finding some consistency somewhere in the passing game, be it Kelsey maybe not being the focal point all the time, Rasheed Rice maybe being a, a little more of a downfield element. Find one of those things for me, and the defense will absolutely handle their part. Yeah, what I find interesting about the, the Chiefs statistically, um, I find it very impressive that they're allowing only 37% of their third down opportunity uh, to be completed. Um, and, and then statistically, their opposing pass rating, 83.5, that, that's quite impressive. And somehow they managed to do that with very few interceptions, only eight. So that means they're pretty much getting good coverage. Am I wrong? No, that's right. Uh, the, the turnovers have been the one drawback is that they just haven't created as many as you would expect a defense this good to actually create. And the guys they're doing it with also is is really impressive. I mean, uh, you guys have, have, I mean, you saw Legereus Sneed in, in Germany, obviously. I don't know how much of a national name he's made. He didn't make the Pro Bowl. He should have, whatever. I'll save us all the Pro Bowl talk. But but Legereus Sneed has been an all-pro caliber corner this year. Trent McDuffie was a, a first-round pick who has been stupendous. But then even beyond that, you have guys also from last year's class Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, day three guys um, who who end up having an impact when they make it onto the field. It's a testament to the coaching, to uh, to defensive backs coach Dave Merritt, obviously Steve Spagnuolo, who's always working with the corners too. I think he loves that part of the job. That that unit is is absolutely fantastic. Again, you saw kind of how they handled the Dolphins the first time, but that that unit has has been special, and the pass rush has been good in bursts, I would say. Um, you mentioned Chris Jones. He's been fantastic. The pass rush of George Karloftis and Mike Dana and Charles Minahu and some of those guys, they've been able to create some pressures. They also kind of go missing for little stretches at times, and then Spags goes to the blitz-heavy stuff that, that creates some more pressure there as well. But really, the, the defense as a whole has has really been working together very well uh, over the entirety of this season. But the, the corners especially, I think, deserve some some extra praise. And fun fact right here, Dave Merritt's a former Dolphin draft pick back in the day. So linebacker, I, you knew that, right, Joshua? I can't remember. Either. I recently though, yeah, because I was I was kind of trying to figure out. Uh, one of our one of our colleagues had done a little bit of an ask around, like, hey, does your uh, any of your the teams you cover have any potential defensive coordinator candidates? And I said, look, Dave Merritt should be a defensive coordinator somewhere. Uh, but but he's he he told this whole story in a presser a week or so ago that, that he and his wife have I think three kids who are in their uh, early thirties or, or late twenties, 
And then a couple of younger kids, one who's a, a highly recruited high school player right now. And then another kid, who I think is a sophomore. And they said, so Dave, like, what's, what is your plan? Do you want to be a defensive coordinator? Uh, and he said, look, I, I always said that, that that would be something I wouldn't look at until my kids were done playing football. Cause I want to be there on Friday nights and to watch them play. And uh, my wife wouldn't stop chasing me. So that kept getting delayed. So they, they have two much younger kids, I think, after like an eight year break of having kids, which which hopefully uh, delay delays Dave Merritt's departure a little bit, because whenever whenever he's uh, whenever he's done watching his kids, as long as his wife leaves him alone, I guess uh, he, he will be a very good defensive coordinator someday. How have the Chiefs changed since we last saw them? And by we, I mean the Dolphins in week uh, nine. It's a good question because it there's there's one easy answer and I'm not sure if anything else even matters. Uh, the biggest thing is that Rasheed Rice is a real part of this offense now. That's number one. I, I'm checking the box score from the last time through Noah Gray led the Chiefs in receiving. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I like Noah Gray a lot, fellow uh, type one diabetic. Shout out to the diabetes out there. Um, but Noah Gray is a is a, a tight end too, right? Sky Moore. Had two for 33 last time. He's on IR now. Jarek McKinnon on IR. MVS doesn't play very much and shouldn't play. Kadarius Tony barely playing. Rasheed Rice had two catches for 17 yards in Germany. For a little while, he was kind of a yak merchant, right? Tons and tons and tons of horizontal stuff. He had one game where he ended up with like eight catches and a ton of yards. His average depth of target on that game was one yard. I mean, it was literally horizontal uh and it worked because he's really good with the ball in his hands after the catch but then we've seen two weeks ago when the starters played uh he he read a coverage and broke his route out off and, and just took it down the sidelines Mahomes saw the same thing that Rice saw he went over the top hit Rasheed Rice huge play first time we've seen anything like that from Rasheed Rice and Mahomes being on the same page and going downfield so that's the biggest takeaway for me from from two games ago and that entire evolution of the offense and getting Rasheed Rice more involved as a rookie which is hard to do in Andy Reid's offense but it happened out of necessity he's he's the biggest difference maker offensively besides that they maybe tighten the rotation a bit in part because of injuries though everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that receiving unit. Um, uh, clearly, I would think that Chiefs fans look at that as as the Achilles heel, the one area that needs to be addressed on the team. How come it wasn't addressed all throughout the season? Great question. I've got two different yes, inflection points. In mind, Omar, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joshua. Omar, I think I had somebody in mind, especially when the Dolphins waived uh, Robbie Chosen and he was available for a bit. I don't think they were interested in either the chosen or uh, the vending machine. I don't think either of those guys would have worked out uh, with the, that's what Tyreek Hill called Chase Claypool, right? I don't know why he did, but it it stuck with me. It Um, did stick with us as well. DeAndre Hopkins should be on this football team, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Um, It's a little bit, I think, the Chiefs buying their own hype a bit too much. But as much as anything, it was a practical issue. Um, I thought that Chris Jones was going to get a long-term deal done. It would free up some cap space this year, and the Chiefs would sign a veteran wide receiver. Instead, he held out all of training camp and the first week of the season. And in the first week of the season, you may have seen the meme now. I mean, for Chiefs Twitter, it's become mimetic. 
it's Chris Jones sitting in a suite with each of his agents, each with of the Cats, Cats brothers. brothers, side by side. Man, look, I have I have said my piece on the Cats brothers plenty of times in plenty of places over the last week or so because they frustrate me to no end. It just it, it, it is agent malpractice in lots of ways, but I digress. Um, hey, I, will, I don't want to get they well sort of. So that's the thing. So. Chris Jones loses like $1.1 million sitting out in week one, a meaningful game. And then he plays three quarters of a meaningless game to get 1.25 back. It's like, well, man, if you were playing in week one, all of a sudden now maybe your DPOY candidacy is up there. Uh, and again, the long-term deal had guaranteed money. It wasn't the exact deal they wanted, but there were long-term offers that the Chiefs made. So that all of that, though, is part of the answer. If that deal gets done, I think there is a receiver on this team who makes the entire unit look better. And I think DeAndre Hopkins would well, have made a sense. Chris Jones's fault that the deal didn't get done, as opposed to the Kansas City Chiefs, who have sort of. their receiving unit and say, uh, this is trash. Yeah, well, so there's the, the second inflection point won't be about Chris Jones. But the first one is, because a lot they had a lot of money tied up there. They paid Juwan Taylor, which they shouldn't have paid him all that money. That already seems relatively evident. Um, and that's even aside from the first few weeks and all the false starts and stuff. He's just been fine, and they're paying him too much to be fine. But... I, I digress. All of that. There, there were some. I would say again, maybe them buying their own hype a little bit too much, and then misprioritizing on on that list. Kind of buying the idea of, well, if we give Mahomes an O line, the receivers don't matter. They do, and the O line hasn't been good enough for that to even really be testable at this point. Then at the trade deadline, they they send a sixth rounder to the. I think it was a sixth rounder to the Jets to bring back McCole Hardman. I like McCole Hardman. I think he might have a real role in this game on Saturday. He played 100% of the snaps in week 18, very fresh off IR. I don't think that's because they just needed a guy out there. I think that was to get him up to speed a little bit. So put a pin in that. He wears number 12 now, which is weird. But I, I don't know how they got to the trade deadline and thought, all we got to do is add McCole Hardman and it's going to be fine. To me, that, that becomes even more unforgivable in that, in that little back and forth of who's to blame there. But here's the thing, though. The one thing we do know for sure is that McCall Hardman is not going to hurt the Dolphins with a long punt return because the Dolphins just do not allow that. So at, it's at not least, something you ever have to confront, and I think that's important. No, that's that's <laughs> we're, so we're clear on that. Uh, Dolphins, as I'm pre pretty sure you're aware, signed old Chiefs friend Justin Houston. Yes, to help to help the pass rush. Uh, not toward the end of his Chiefs career, though. Justin Houston had a little boo boo faux pas. Uh, shall we put it in the playoff game against New England? The fans forgiven him yet for that? Oh, you're thinking of you're thinking of, of future Miami Dolphins defensive lineman D Ford. Oh, he, I was, the wrong he was lined up off sides. But no, I'm so glad you mentioned Justin Houston because I have a Justin Houston thought and also another idea for you. First of all, if D Ford's available, make the call, I guess, because I yeah. I had to tell the Dolphins I wouldn't play on Saturday, and I have no bend. Um, but. But Houston's an interesting case because he's one of very few players who have left Kansas City under some like not great feeling circumstances. It, it was all kind of kind of hush hush. And I, I don't know if there's disagreements about how he was being used or his playing time. It was nothing super salacious. But most of the time when players leave Kansas City, it, it is there is some air of like appreciate my time there and all of this. And, and his his deal just sort of ended with a little bit of kind of quiet drama. But it's also wild. I think that the top three defensive ends or top three pass rushers, I guess, are all former Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Emmanuel Ogba, he had a year, maybe two. I think it was just one year in Kansas City. Oh, and Melvin Ingram, yeah. Melvin Ingram had a cameo, but he was impactful. And then Justin mm -hmm. Houston, of course, is like a legitimate Chiefs ring of honor kind of candidate if, if he wants that, depending on where that relationship ends up. So here's what I think, guys. 
Have you seen what Chris Jones is tweeting about? He's been tweeting about the same thing for a few weeks now. He tweeted about it the first time this player got cut. He's tweeted about it the second time this player got cut. And he tweeted about it when he was supposed to be doing a press conference on Tuesday. He was tweeting about Frank Clark. The Chiefs let him walk. The Broncos sign him and cut him. The Seahawks sign him and cut him. If Miami signs Frank Clark and has him out there on the opposite sideline of Chris Jones at Arrowhead, I I don't know how Chris Jones would react. Maybe it's a bad idea because maybe he'd lose his mind in a way that would benefit the Chiefs defense. But there is some 4D chess the Dolphins could play by signing Frank Clark right now. Except for they need pass rushing outside linebackers and they've signed three guys who are probably just bodies and aged players. But hey, who knows? Justin Houston might be out for a revenge game. Melvin Ingram, hell, uh, he played, what, 58 snaps uh, uh, last week? Holy smokes. Yeah. Watching him cover, it was Kincaid on that rep, right? Yeah, it was Kincaid. And it was like, why? Why? I've never felt bad for an NFL player in that specific kind of way where it's like, dude, I get it. You still got Thanksgiving weight on. Like you might have a couple Christmas cookies hiding in there. And so do I. I'm not. I, so do I. And I get it. I would not cover Dalton Kincaid very well. Wow. He's still <laughs> running. He's still wrong. running downfield. Um, but oh. yeah. At, the Dolphins are so injury decimated right now. It's hard to even envision uh, what they will put on the field. Uh, but obviously the Chiefs, they've got their own injuries as well. Do you think any of them can impact this game? Yeah, and, and so far the injury report has been good. Wanya Morris, the, the rookie left tackle, again, Donovan Smith, you guys probably are familiar with from his Tampa days, um, but but Donovan Smith was the sort of like late offseason signing, and he, and he took the left tackle job in training camp. He played all right for what he's getting paid. He's like a $3 million cap hit. He's, he was fine. And then he got hurt. Wanya Morris comes in. He also had some ups and downs. He got pretty well baptized by Max Crosby, which is understandable. Uh, but then Morris, his his head hits the ground in week 18, playing out there with the backups. And now he's in concussion protocol, but Donovan Smith returned to practice as he's kind of been on and off a little bit, limited, full, back and forth some. So that's the biggest one to watch, I think. I mean, you guys have talked plenty, again, about the, the defensive end situation you guys have, but... Um, in, in terms of, of how that could impact the game, that's a huge one outside of that. Justin Ross wasn't going to practice on Tuesday. Um, that doesn't really, doesn't move the needle. So right now without having the, the full uh, participation reports and everything, it, it seems like the chiefs are mostly healthy aside from left tackle. Um, and then the guys who have, are already out, like I mentioned, McKinnon being gone is a big deal. Oh, but, but I do have the injury report. It just popped up actually. Oh, fantastic. Injury. Okay. Who's limited? Uh, Morris and Ross were DMPs limited were Donovan Smith, Legarius Sneed and Kadarius Tony Dolphins need Kadarius Tony in the game. So he can bobble <laughs> the into the hands of a DB. Yes. Please play Kadarius Tony. <laughs> That's a key for this game. And for the Dolphins, we had, uh, Armstead, Elliott, Holland and Howard as DMPs. HN, Eichenberg, Hill, Mostert, Ramsey and Waddle as limited. And now Tyreek has added quad to his ankle injury. Interesting. Way, I, I do find it very interesting, Deshaun Elliott, with the calf. Um, that's a D not do. That's a would not have practiced. So right. that's something that we got to monitor, especially when you put it with Javon Holland. Um, I'm not comfortable with the secondary as it presently is. Um, but you add safety on top of that, safety issues on top of that, uh, it could lead to a couple of breakdowns that Patrick Mahomes would exploit if he had wide receivers. <laughs> there you go. So it works out fine. They don't need cornerbacks in this game. They can they can play or, or DBs actually. 
They can they have Melvin. They can have Melvin Ingram in the back end. And and the Dolphins might not need defensive ends if they if the Chiefs don't have a left tackle. So really, this game this game is just remember eight on eight football. I mean, that's just we could we could make that happen here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually funny that you mentioned like players who leave the Chiefs and remember them fondly, because I told Omar, I was like, Tyreek sounds like he won't. I mean, he's like almost heartbroken when every time he he talks about the Chiefs or sees the Chiefs, it's like yeah, please, please, you know, um, <laughs> like. If it wasn't for the cash, I think it would be first love. All things, all things being equal, he would be with the Chiefs like that. That's really interesting. Um, Mahomes talked about it that you know that they they stay in touch, but they're not probably not going to talk much this week and all of that. But that's that's something I realized also going up to the Germany game and and at, you know as as Tyreek talks the way that he frequently does and says all the, you know, the stuff about the, the ball that Tua throws or whatever, none of that. I'll just, this is going to be a dismissive, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stick with my guns. None of that yapping ever like really seemed to have stressed that relationship. I'm saying yapping. Cause it's like, it's just Tyreek talking, you know, it's ah, Tua's better at this and whatever, like just feeling podcast time. We're, we're yapping right now. And, and there really was never any sort of like vitriol from the Chiefs side. I, I never, I never saw, Travis Kelsey gets snippy about a Tyreek Hill question or anything like that. I, I think that, own podcast. he knows how the game is played. Well, exactly. they I mean, that's, that's right. But Joshua, they also understand what Tyreek was doing. I mean, because yes, part, part of, of Tyreek's thing once he joined the Dolphins and Omar's giving me that face like this and tell me I'm wrong was building up to his confidence and all that. Yeah. And is he's doing we're not more thing. accurate than, than Patrick Mahomes. Did you see how the Bills game ended? <sighs> yes or no? Is Are you too crazy? Like Omar, Omar, if the pocket is clean and his receiver is wide open, and it's a matter of pitch and catch with without duress around him, okay. I'm fine. not arguing with you. Superior arm. I'm not, I'm not even talking about, talking about accuracy. Superior mobility. Superior quarterback. But Tua, Tua said one very specific thing. He's the most accurate quarterback that I've ever played with. And all Chiefs fans got their panties in a bunch and all upset. And then certain media members, people who wear Expos hats, they just ignore the fact that it was about accuracy. And Tua is probably the most accurate quarterback. That's his quarterback right now. That's like Jalen Waddell saying at the time of the 2021 draft that Mac Jones was better than Tua. Why? Because Mac Jones was was his most recent teammate. Come on, bro. You know how the game is played. Is Tua not the most accurate quarterback in the NFL or not? Yes. No. That's yeah. Well, I don't. Maybe, I, that he's in, the, he's in the conversation. Let's just put it that way. But to is make that, yeah. in that conversation. No. Right. Yes. Yes. No. Oh my. Yes, oh. Yes. Omar. Oh Omar. He's in, the oh, elite, yeah. he's in the elite club. No question about it. What is he? Um, what is Patrick Mahomes doing so well that makes him so good while not being accurate? I just want. I just want the rest no, of your scouting no, no, report. He's accurate. Nobody's arguing that he's not accurate. I, I think uh, that the accuracy meter is a couple of dials lower than Tua's accuracy meter. I mean, it's not, not that it's bad. 67% completion is pretty that's, good. That, that's not an accuracy meter though. Yeah. Right. If, if, if maybe if he'd have a better than seven yards per attempt average, if he had better receivers. So let me, you know, but it, it yeah. doesn't hurt that he throws a hundred passes to uh, Travis Kelsey every, every, every season. Omar, is it not enough to say that absolutely Tua belongs in the, it belongs in the conversation in ter- when it comes to most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL? Yes. Without question. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes belongs in it as well, I guess. Okay, but do we need to throw out the uh, two as the most accurate quarterback in the NFL? He's one of. If, if we're going to. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Nobody, no, I'm not disputing that. 
Okay, well, acknowledge Tyreek's claims that Tua's the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with. Yeah, he was he was yapping. He's he's, he's pumping up his new teammate. Absolutely, makes perfect sense. Yeah, I had no I had no problem with him saying that at all. For what it's worth, I I I think it's wrong, and I think it's totally cool for him to say because he got to the new team. Is like I want to make sure my quarterback likes me. I want to make sure he knows I like him. I want this relationship to go well, man. It does. I, I don't I don't know I don't know how how every uh, little you know coworker dynamic works, but if if you, if you're doing a you know your guys' first podcast together, if you would have been like, oh man, well the guy that I did the last podcast with was so good at podcasting that it honestly makes us a little harder. It's like whoa, like that's a weird way to start this whole thing off. Omar is the best pos- the best podcaster I've ever worked with. He's the only podcaster see, I've, Alan, he- I've ever worked with. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. Here's well here's played. one for you. Here's here's let's I, I, this is a spark just this came back and something I've forgotten about. Travis Kelsey was publicly a little bit down on Mahomes when Alex Smith was on the way out and before Mahomes really took the reins. And it was really it was really just Travis Kelsey carrying the torch for Alex Smith. It was man, Alex Smith is this and Alex Smith is that and this and Patrick. I love Patrick and he's coming, but man, I want to talk about Alex Smith. And it wasn't again. It was I, I maybe shouldn't say he was down on Mahomes, but every time he was asked about Mahomes, it was it was going it was reflecting back to Alex Smith again, just out of respect for that relationship. So there's there's lots of ways you can handle all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, I'm never and I, I, I've I've told Omar this many times to me. Teammate player quotes about a teammate, or unless it's like it's a human interest story that has nothing to do with football, mm-hmm. that's great. But if it's like telling me about how good he is and all that. He's your teammate. What else are you gonna say? I mean, seriously. Yeah. You got you got to get specific Overrated. for me to believe you. Basically, that's Correct. like if you get if you get a, a player talking about oh what what has this coach done for you? If they can give you examples, I I want to hear it. If they go Correct. oh you know it's just great coming to work every day with this guy. You know he's always gonna be consistent. He's always gonna try to make us be the best we can be. And I you know I'm, I love playing for him. It's like oh yikes. <laughs> Well, it goes the other way, and you ask a player about you ask a player about another player, and he'd be like, "He's all right, he's okay, <laughs> he's working hard." Didn't we have that one time, Omar? Yeah, we, he's, he's learning the playbook. Yeah, he's, he's right. learning the playbook. He's got a lot, he's he's got he's got some athleticism. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a big time this right there. Yes, he's <laughs> learning the playbook. He's got some big time athleticism. Is like, oh, you just called this man dumb at the podium. Like, I don't know who you guys are talking about, but that's a that's a damning one. So, Joshua, my my last thought for you is, uh, from the Kansas City viewpoint, how dangerous do you view the Dolphins? Are you kind of dismissing them because of their record? against playoff teams, which is one and five. Um, I, this is going to sound dismissive, but I don't mean for it to. I would not dismiss anybody in this spot, but I specifically absolutely don't want to dismiss Miami. The the record against playoff caliber teams and all of that is is obviously like worth noting. But this Chiefs team has been so inconsistent this year. They can't they can't afford any of that. Like I I kind of want to be like, well, you know, the Dolphins defense is so banged up, and they've obviously been you know having a tough time managing all of that. So maybe the Chiefs will put out a barn burner like they did against uh, the Bengals, who are kind of out of the race and pretty banged up when they put up twenty five points. Like that was fireworks. It was fireworks. Like Harrison Butker, go out there and earn your money, son. Like go start kicking. So I I don't think that the Chiefs' offense has the birthright twenty five points that they've had throughout the rest of the Patrick Mahomes era. That remains regardless of who's playing defense uh, or how well the, the the Dolphins have been playing defensively. 
it helps the Chiefs' chances that obviously that's been going the way that it has been. Uh, but then, especially offensively, no, that that unit is explosive. I believe in the Chiefs' defense, and I, I have all year. It's It's been a, a hill I've kept standing on, waiting to die on, and then I haven't died. It's been great. I, I'm on that. This Chiefs' defense is really, really good hill, and I, I think they will limit Tyreek, much like they did in Germany. I'm very interested to see what the plan is for Waddle this time around. The Dolphins' running game is excellent. The Chiefs' defense has gotten got on the ground a few times. It's it's not an epidemic, but it, it's been useful against the Chiefs defensively so far in a few pockets this year. This, this game has a huge array of outcomes to me because if the Chiefs, like they did against the Raiders, give you back-to-back defensive touchdowns on back-to-back Chiefs offensive plays. If that happens, they will lose to anybody. They lost to the Raiders. If if they play clean football and the defense is who we thought they were, the Chiefs win this game by two touchdowns. I think it will probably be something more in the middle where both teams make some mistakes and, and hopefully we get good cold football. Safe to assume that they've scrapped the, the Mahomes play, the Mahomes trick play out of the from the playbook? The one against uh, the Raiders? There, I, I think so. Here's the other thing is like that play in particular, Pacheco was supposed to hand it off there and he was just trying to like kill the play so nothing disastrous happened and then and then panicked or whatever. That kind of like little moment to moment, ah, bleep, I don't know, maybe that's that's cost the Chiefs like five possessions this year or something. I mean, it just seems like it happens all the time. So I don't think you will see Patrick Mahomes take a handoff, but you will probably see a receiver not read the defense correctly, a drop, some sort of self-inflicted wound on a little trick play. You'll probably see a trick play that works. That that has just been all for the taking on this Chiefs team. It, it, that's sort of my like big picture season take is that don't don't pick any 15 minutes of Chiefs football to make up your mind. This season is who they are. It contains all of that and every game is a little bit of a coin flip. Well, we thank you for joining us again, Joshua. Uh, you can find Joshua's work at where? Where Where do you podcast? You can, well, I'm all over the place. You can follow me on any social ever at JB Briscoe. I've even branched out to some of the other like Twitter likes that I don't really, I don't like being on any of these sites anymore, but uh, all the stuff is there. Uh, of course, within uh, the fan nation, si.com umbrella, everything is over at arrowheadreport.com, uh, or you can just bounce from uh, Dolphins to Chiefs contents over there from all Dolphins to Arrowhead Report. We're both in the same family. Uh, plus, I'm on uh, 810 WHB here in Kansas City, and uh, I have a podcast called Only Weird Games that's all about the Chiefs with my friends uh, Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser uh, that we do with Casey Sports Network. So I, you know, I'm a man of uh, wearing many hats, it's just today it's a beanie because it's already so cold. All right. Well, we're looking forward to a very brisk uh, game Saturday. Uh, Winner take all um, Dolphins going up there to try to dethrone the Super Bowl champions. You're watching the All Dolphins podcast. You know how to find our work at alldolphins.com. Um, you know, yeah, see, look at that. He, <laughs> I just uh, <laughs> we usually just do like this. Um you, you can find our work there, and you can find us on any platform you listen to the audio. Audio, it's it's right there. All Dolphins podcast. Pupard, I will see you tomorrow. And Joshua, be safe and try not to get too cold. I'm gonna do my best. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Joshua. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.